Well, you're a sight for sore eyes. It's good to be back and be with you. I'd like to begin with a prayer. I'd like to begin with a prayer that's a little bit of a selfish prayer, if you don't mind. If you don't mind indulging me, we pray. Lord God, you have appointed me as a pastor in your church, but you see how unsuited I am to meet so great and difficult a task. If I had lacked your help, I would have ruined everything long ago. Therefore, I call upon you. I wish to devote my mouth and my heart to you. I shall teach the people. I myself will learn and ponder diligently upon your word. So, Lord, use me as your instrument, but never forsake me. For if ever I should be on my own, I would easily wreck it all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. That's Luther's sacristy prayer. He prayed that prayer every single time before he got into the pulpit. I've prayed that prayer every single time before I've gotten into this pulpit for 22 years. I still love it. I still find great comfort in it. But this is not about me. This is about Jesus. You know, farewell sermons are just such an oxymoron. <laughs> they don't follow any of the normal sermon conventions, and I think we're going to try to keep it according to the sermon conventions. And I'm honored and pleased and pleased as punch that you've all come out. But this day is really all about Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. And so I say to you, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Death has no power over him. None. And that means that he has no power over you either. Death has no power over you because your sins have been washed away. Your sins have been given, forgiven. And that means that you have eternal life awaiting for you. And that's all I want to say, and that's all I need to say. Amen. But I suppose you wanted a little more than that. I suppose that's not really the introduction that you were expecting me to begin a farewell sermon with. That's fair enough. But I don't think anybody reading these opening verses of Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians would think that those would be the words that he would choose to write a letter to a congregation like the Corinthians, for heaven's sakes. Please, don't take the comparison too far. I'm not saying under my breath that you are anything like the Corinthian congregation. Yes, we have our challenges. Yes, we have our, even our problems. Yes, we have our little vexations. But we don't have stepsons sleeping with their stepmothers here at St. Paul and all sorts of other decadent things. 
I mean, good heavens, listen to this. There were factions within this congregation that were ready to just split the Corinthian congregation apart after all that God the Holy Spirit had done to bring them to faith. It's absolutely incredible. Christians were actually getting into line to line up before unbelieving pagan judges to settle disputes between Christians that Christians under God's blessing should have been able to solve and sort out by themselves. Goodness gracious, keep that in mind the next time you're tempted to go down to small claims court for the guy that you loan 20 bucks to and it's been three years since he paid you back. The influence of unbelieving friends and relatives was luring these Corinthian Christians in their weakness back to potentially idol sacrifice of all things. It was absolutely decadent and ridiculous what was going on in the Corinthian congregation. They were abusing their Christian freedom, which Christ had died and, and shed his own blood in order to achieve for them so that they could go out in their dalliance of sexual immorality and their disorderly behavior within service. Now that one we might take to heart a little bit. You know, the talking during the distribution of communion is getting a little out of hand. I'm, I'm on my way out. I can say it now. <laughs> I'm just saying. They were seeking after this gift, which is only a gift of the Holy Spirit. They all wanted to be able to speak in tongues. This was the big high gift. This was more important for me to be able to impress everybody by speaking in other languages than the gift of preaching God's word and listening to it for the edification and the building up of God's people in this church. There were actually people in the Corinthian congregation that were denying the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. How in all the world did it ever come to that? It's craziness. They're hyper-concerned. Besides, if you weren't worried about your spiritual tongues ability, you were, had this hyper-concern about gaining wisdom, your social standing amongst your sophisticated pagan neighbors and relatives. Ooh, how much insight and wisdom did I gain in this new religion of mine? so that I can have a good standing amongst my friends and my relatives and everybody will go, ooh, ah, Joe is really informed. I don't mean you, Joe. Joe, generic Joe. And then overarching this entire congregation was this general lax attitude towards morals. But their entire society was steeped in immorality. I guess, what would you expect? But the way that the Apostle Paul addresses this congregation is absolutely incredible. This monster list of maladies that they have going on. And does he rip into them? Does he rebuke them? Does he correct them? He does correct them. Does he shame them? No. On the other hand, does he praise them for their great exercises of faith and their great Christian strength? Does he commend them for their Christian living and their study of the scriptures? Does he praise them for their Christian knowledge because they were always going to Bible class? I mean, he praised the Roman congregation. 
He praised the Ephesians and the Philippians and the Colossians. Those virtues of those congregations, he built up and he just lauded them. But the Corinthian congregation, no. No praise and lauding for them. So, on the one hand, Paul does not read them the riot act for their unchristian behavior in living. On the other hand, he doesn't commend them. So he doesn't shame, he doesn't commend. What does he do? What does Paul do? Do you know this letter well enough? If you don't, go home and read it this afternoon. We're not going to be here all day. It doesn't take you that long to read the first five chapters of Colossians or Corinthians. No, what does he do? He points to them and he says, everything that you are, everything that you have ever been and everything that you will ever be, is all because of Jesus and what he has done in your life. It's absolutely incredible, people. This apostle Paul is so filled with the Holy Spirit. He so wants to save the souls of this congregation. He doesn't shame. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't praise. He doesn't commend or laud. He points them to Jesus and what he's done for them. That opening verse, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Paul holds before these Christians the foremost gift that God could begin with and, and be the umbrella title for everything that he gives as a gift. God's grace. God's grace is that pardoning, undeserved, forgiving love that he shows to us in his son. The son who lived and died and rose again. The son who in this divine grace gives us this certainty, gives this certainty to a Christian that the unbeliever, the person who does not know Jesus or believe Jesus or denies Jesus, it gives us a certainty that they will never know. Even when you're facing an unknown future, you get that message from the doctor. You think your time on earth is going to be a little shorter than what you thought it was going to be. I'm certain and I know where I'm going to go. I'm certain and I know what my end is going to be because there is going to be no ends. You see, that's the thing. We'll all just continue on forever and ever as the family of God. A certainty that affects this grace of God is, is a certainty that affects everything that you know and everything that you say and your entire attitude towards your life. It is this ministry of grace that you and I have been privileged to be able to carry out and share for the last 22 years under the grace of God here at the Evangelical Lutheran Church of St. Paul. And this is the place... Once I catch my breath here, <laughs> we're going to have a few thanks. I want to thank my son and my daughter. I want to thank my son and my daughter for the times when they saw their pastor father not being a real good role model of Christ as a Christian father within the house, behind hidden doors, behind hidden walls. And they didn't take Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and throw them into the garbage can and walk away from Jesus. I want to thank them for that. 
Tyler LaSalle, I want to thank God for you. I want to thank God that when you had a similar experience, you didn't take Jesus and throw him in the garbage. And he kept you in your baptismal grace as a member of his family, as a member of his church. I want to thank my wife, um, who married probably one of the prickliest Wells pastors that there are. And she's continued to stick by me. And she's been a wonderful pastor's wife because it's not an easy position to be. And it's usually a role that is unsung. So I want to thank the organizers of this that they have continually said from the beginning, this is a farewell service for Pastor Getzinger and Karen. I want to thank all the men of this congregation who in the midst of your family melting down, in the midst of loved ones approaching their time of doneness in this world, have found the time to be able to enjoy, serve God's people here in this church on the various committees, as appointed members, as board chairman, as congregational chairman, serving not once, but twice as treasurer of Wells Canada, Jim? Come on. We don't believe in acts of supererogation. Now, thank you very much. I want to thank all of you for coming Sunday after Sunday. Whether the sermon was a home run or whether it was a, a dud. There had to be some law and gospel in there somewhere. The Holy Spirit worked on your heart. I want to thank you for giving me the distinct privilege of being your shepherd. Giving me the distinct privilege of being able to serve you with the means of grace. I want to thank you for trusting me and giving me the privilege to be able to baptize, to the best of my knowledge, about 100 to 110 infants and adults at that baptismal font. Man, I'll tell you, baptisms never get old. You want to see a miracle of God's grace to a little infant that can't do anything more than eat, sleep, and <clears throat> something with diapers. And God the Holy Spirit comes and washes away that infant's sins and makes that infant that his own dear child and comes and sets up residence in his heart and watches after that child for the rest of its days. It's absolutely incredible. I ne it never grows old. I still have a hard time getting through the baptismal rite. Maybe it's a good thing I'm leaving the public ministry. I don't have to get all choked up at baptisms anymore. I want to thank you for entrusting your sons and daughters to me and to others to teach them God's word and to confirm in their faith, I think it's been about 110, 115 of your sons and daughters. I want to thank you for entrusting them to me and ushering them and serving them to the point where I've actually had the privilege of marrying some of those sons and daughters of yours. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to usher your mothers and your fathers into their eternal life and to be able to preside over the Christian funerals of 
just a little bit over a hundred of your moms and your dads, your uncles and your aunts, right here in this church. Thank you. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you with that Holy Supper of the altar. About 600 times I fed you with that, I fed that supper to you. About, to my knowledge, my count, about 1,100 sermons you've listened to. It's amazing that anybody's here today after that. <laughs> I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to be a bishop to, I think it was three vicars and four associates. And every single one of the associates that the Lord in his wisdom sent here to be my partner in ministry, they all had their gifts and abilities, and I loved them all. Um, but I think I love this one the bestest. I want to thank you for picking every single hymn that has just made me break down in tears <laughs> so that I almost can't get up here and preach. Joshua, son of Nun, any authority that this congregation has entrusted to me, I now pass off to you. You are the pastor of this congregation now. They are your flock. They are the precious cargo that God has entrusted to you now. Because after this, I am no longer their pastor. I want to thank you for the time that you allowed me to serve with great joy for 15 years as the president of Wells Canada. I want to thank you for the time that you gave me to be able to also serve as the chairman of our Canadian Mission Board, which I think was just about the same amount of time. I want to thank you for the time that you gave me to be able to not have to preach through sirens. To be able to travel, to be able to carry out the Lord's work at other places here in Canada. I thank you very much for that. But you see, in all of this, my voice as your shepherd is really only one voice in a long line of voices that the Lord, in his great mercy and compassion and grace, there's that grace word again, has sent as, as ambassadors of his grace, as, as shepherds, to proclaim to you the great and wondrous things that God has done. I'm just one voice in a long line. And God will continue to provide spokesmen, teachers, preachers, pastors to you in the days to come. And so now, this is the day that my time as your pastor has come to an end. In about two weeks, Karen and I will welcome United Schrader moving into the house, and on the 5th, they will pack up all the breakables, and on the 6th, they will pack up our belongings into a truck, and they will move everything to Mequon, to Mequon Wisconsin, which is just a little bit north of Milwaukee, and I will take up my new duties and my new service as a professor at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Specifically, I will be the new director of the Pastoral Studies Institute. 
which is one of the reasons why I'm not wearing green today. This, is, this was a gift that I received from Charles LaSalle. Remember him? This is my home mission and my world mission stole. You see, the Pastoral Studies Institute, what we do is we're, we're chartered, we're mandated. It's our responsibility to look after the theological training for all of the non-Anglo, English is not your first language, men, not just in North America, but around the entire globe. Men who want to study to be pastors in our church body. It's a weighty responsibility, I don't mind telling you. It's a little scary. But it's awesome when you think about it. Working with all sorts of different people groups, just like you've blessed me to be able to work with here at St. Paul. There are only two congregations in our entire church body that I know of that have such a vast and diverse representation of so many different people groups within one congregation. And you know what? Not a shock. Both of them are in Canada. <laughs> one's here and one's in Toronto at Hope. God bless you for welcoming with open arms God's souls who don't look like you or sound like you. And you've let them know that there's a home here for them in the grace of Jesus. Humanly speaking, I've got to tell you, there was absolutely no divine call in our entire church body that could have lured me away from my ministry here in Canada and here at St. Paul. But when this call came along, hmm, to be able to train and teach the next generation of pastors for their own people groups, that's pretty awesome work. So thanks for letting me go to do that. But, so before I go, just a couple of hmm, last-minute encouragements, last-minute reminders. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. What this means is that St. Paul, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of St. Paul, is uniquely equipped by the Word of God to answer people's life's big, troublesome, perplexing questions. And it all centers and begins and ends with that wonderful word all called grace. All the gifts that God has given to that Corinthian congregation, listen, his wisdom, faith, love, virtue, devotion, patience, endurance, he's given those same gifts to you. All our job is sometimes is just to remind you of that. Oh yeah, I forgot. I've got God's wisdom residing in me. I've got God's Holy Spirit living inside of me. God can give his words to me. Doesn't mean you don't have to study his word though too, you know. As Paul wrote in this text for our sermon, in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. That's speech and knowledge. What is he talking about? It's like when the Apostle Paul was talking to his, his, his congregation in Rome when he said, 
If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So declare. So believe. Outstanding sermon this morning, by the way. Did you hear that sermon? The compassion of Jesus shown to you. That compassion will overflow. It can't help but overflow and exude outward to other people, to tell other people who don't know about Jesus what he's done for them. So declare and believe that mystery of God, as Paul calls it. That mystery, he says, that is through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. You see, he says in here in verse 4 and 5 and 6, he says, you have been given to, you have been enriched, you have been confirmed. Three aorist verbs that point back to your baptism. Pointing back to your baptism about this grace of God. And this grace of God, he says, is confirmed in you every single time. Again and again and again when you receive the Lord's precious body and blood. That he gave up and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins at the sacrament of the altar. Every single time you partake of that holy supper, this grace of God is confirmed in you. It is confirmed in you every single time, no matter good days or bad, in healthy days or not, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. And that one day, he is going to swoop right out of that sky and he's going to pick you up and he's going to reunite your body with your soul if it hasn't been separated before he comes. And he's going to usher you to heaven. He will also keep you firm to the end, Paul says to us today, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, this grace of God is your greatest of gifts. Paul closes out this section with it. He says, to be called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. A life that lives in the shadow, in the knowledge that we have eternal life waiting for us. And that it just permeates and drives everything and every breath that you do day in and day out. But our citizenship is in heaven, Paul wrote. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome, precious gift he's given to you. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of it. And so today is the day. Today is the day that we say goodbye for now. For 22 years, I think every single sermon, just about every single sermon, you've heard me say that we human beings don't like to say goodbye. It's true. We don't like to say goodbye because God didn't make us to say goodbye. He made, made us to live forever. But I'm praying that when the Lord tells you in what, the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. I pray that that's going to be an overriding power in your tear ducts this afternoon so that today does not turn into a sob fest. I got to tell you, you know, 
The last nine months have made me a lot more emotional about the grace of God and his gospel message than I ever was before. And now you, you picking these hymns on top of it. We can't have a sob fest here today. No sob fest. So today, today I preach my last sermon as your pastor here at the Evangelical Lutheran Church of St. Paul. Today I would leave you with a couple of last encouragements. Today I would implore you to never, ever take for granted the grace of God shown to you. Today I would implore you to always, in your heart, have the, have the wonder and the profound thanks for the grace of God shown to you in Jesus Christ, your Lord. And let that thanks overflow in acts of love to your brothers and sisters here in Christ. Let that thanks of love overflow to others who haven't heard about the gospel of Jesus as you heard in Pastor Cuck's sermon, this, sermon message this morning. Let that wonder lead you to want to learn and study and inwardly digest more and more of this compassionate, gracious, merciful God that you have by showing up and attending his Bible classes and studying your Bible at home. See, you thought after 22 years I would just let it go for just one time, didn't you? No. These words are our life, brothers and sisters. Our life. The words of life that show us our God of life to show us our eternal life. And if none of that clicks or sticks with you, which I pray it will, maybe one day you'll open your hymnal up and you'll remember this sermon and you'll turn to that hymn that starts out with when I survey the wondrous cross. And you'll remember, you'll remember this old guy that was very thin and looking very old with no hair saying that this was the stanza of this hymn was the anthem of his ministry for his 22 years at St. Paul. And maybe you'll actually take the time to set those words to memory and make it the anthem of your life. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my greatest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Were all the realm of nature mine, that were a tribute far, far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So now, as my last official act, as your pastor here at the Evangelical Lutheran Church of St. Paul, with, receive with believing hearts the benediction of our dear, gracious, compassionate, merciful God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look on you with his blessed favor and give you his eternal peace. To that, let all of God's people say amen.
Pastor Cuck will lead us in the Apostles' Creed.